Inside the Music Conversations Inside the Music where we discuss the topics you think about when you're chilling with your fuzzy slippers and your onesie. Yeah! Welcome to Conversations Inside the Music with Carol Riddick. What's the deal? Yours truly the magnificent DJ Jazzy Jazz. Hi, this is Jill Scott, a.k.a. Jilly de Philadelphia. Hey, this is Gerald Beasley. Conversations Inside the Music. With my dear friend, the amazing Carol Riddick. So get ready to join in on the conversation and chill with us on another edition of Conversations Inside the Music with Carol Riddick. With Carol Riddick. Well, hello and welcome to today's edition of Conversations Inside the Music. I'm your host, Carol Riddick, and our guest today is a native Philadelphian who is widely known across the globe. Some of his accomplishments include record promoter, A&R director, event production, and management. He is whom I consider to be the first music industry insider, and he is an influencer whose reach has extended in the more recent past to social media. And he will soon add author to his list of accomplishments with his debut book coming out on 12-2020, which is also his birthday. <laughs> Family, welcome to today's conversation with the first out the limo, Mr. Charlie Mack. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Well, it's, 20, it's 2020 now, so we're going first out the SUVs now. Yeah. Or, the, or the sprinters, or the sprinters, you know. <laughs> According to what you like, you know. I'm going to stick with SUVs. I like SUVs. Yes, yes, yes. Sir. So uh, first and foremost, thank you for allowing me to come on your platform, for welcoming me. I'm very humbled, and I appreciate it, you know what I mean, that you would actually find me be, to be interesting enough so when I have me on your platform to talk to your people, you know, in this space that we're in right now. You say you're welcome and thank you. I've talked about this with so many people and I've told mm-hmm. them, you know, you in my very first tour mm-hmm. was such a pre- protector. We're going to rest in it, but we're going to have peace. And, you know, you said that as only you could. You've told me in past conversations about mm-hmm. being a servant and you just, I've told yes. people about my experience with you. Yes. As I just mentioned on our uh, my very first tour. So mm-hmm. why is being of service so fulfilling to you or how? Well, first and foremost, how it came to be, 1985, the summer of 1985, I was a street pharmaceutical agent at the time, okay? And I, w- I was embarking on all the wrong things in my life at that point in time. You know, I was a young 20-year-old growing up in, Southwest Philadelphia and everything that was wrong, I, my father, would, he'd always liken it to say, you know, you are a magnet to trouble. He said, I have nine children, but whenever the phone would ring, I knew it was always about Charles Earl. So that's my family, that's my family name, Charles Earl. It's all run together. You know, country people, they run it together. Mayor Francis, you know what I mean? It's all one. So mine was, it wasn't Earl, it was with a Z, Charles Earl, right? So he said, whenever the phone ring, I knew it was always about Charles Earl, right? And I'm like, that's a sad, first and foremost, that my father would think that about me. And then I had to look at it for what he said. It was like, okay, so you think of me that I'm trouble. Mm-hmm. I'm essentially slept rock, if you will. And it just didn't feel right that my father thought that of his oldest child, which happened to be a son, I'm like, that's just not good. You know what I mean? And so, of course, at that moment, um, you know, I got caught up. I was in a crap game. I was playing craps over at a playground called Myers Recreation Center over on 58th and uh, 57th and King Sussex. And we were gambling, me and a bunch of other guys, we were gambling. And one guy, he had lost money. He lost the money. And he was like, damn, you're not going to give me an opportunity to win my money back? I said, man, listen, man. I said, you lost next. I kind of just kind of 
kind of just played him off to the side. Mm -hmm. But he was a bona fide, bona fide killer. He was known killer, known killer, Perry point blank. But again, at that stage of my life, me at 19, 20 years old, I'm a hothead. Mm -hmm. I'm six, seven, I'm 250 plus pounds. You know, I'm, I'm having it my way. I'm getting money from every which way. I'm just having it my way. I'm the Burger King, for sure. You know what I mean? Ain't nobody, I don't care about nobody. Ain't nobody mm -hmm. doing nothing to me. Perry point blank, I don't care who you are. Now, I, I granted, at that point in time, for me, everything was about my hands. I came up South Philly, South Philly. I knocked people out yesterday, but I wasn't a gun-toting person. But I fight any and everybody every day, all day. That was You could get that out of me, period, point blank. You could get a good rumble out of me. You know, I came up in an era where the guns wasn't so prevalent. They were there, but they wasn't so prevalent. I, I, would, go, I would go the first week of school. I'm saying the ghetto would fight Willen Avenue. Willen Avenue would fight the Zip. The Zip would fight, you know what I mean, the village. Like, we fought every day. We fought every day to establish who was going to run the school for the year. You know what I mean? That's how we, that's how we, that's how we got it. Now, what I call, I call the guy with the gun, he was essentially Casper or the boogeyman. Like, he didn't exist. It was like one dude had a gun. But if he had, if he, if he had 50 guys, one dude had a gun. But he didn't come around often. So what you could do is, and this is the thing that I really think, you know I mean, hopefully you got some young listeners out here. It's like, we fought, but we could live another day. We fought, and you could see another day. We would fight at the party this weekend, and then we wouldn't see the gang member, yes, I'm saying, to the next party. But it was never, ever, yes, I'm saying, like, we lived through it. I've lived through probably 20 gang wars. I was fighting five. We had a free fall. I'm fighting five guys. Next thing you know, the rest of them trying to run, come at me. I turn around. I'm like, I can't take on 10. So I start running. I'm running top speed. But it just seemed like they was catching up with me. I think the fact that I was looking back at how many, that's the worst thing you do is look back. I look back, and I'm seeing one close to me. I turn around, stop, and it's cracking. Boom! I hit him right, listen to me, dropped him. But his tooth went through my, my hand. But I'm just rumbling, at that point, I'm rumbling like three or four, I'm running like three or four of them at one time. So I'm just pop, 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 I'm just cracking him, cracking him. Next thing you know, yes, them say, I don't know what happened. I just know my knuckle was back here. So they had to put pins on my hands. Life just seemed like, like my father said, it seemed like everywhere I went, everything that I was around, everybody that I was around, it just seemed like I was always in trouble in that space of time from like, say like 16 to like 1920. So, so bad that on my 21st birthday, I literally stayed in my bed and kept the covers on my head all day. But I was so petrified that I was gonna make it. I always said, I, everybody said, you're not gonna make it to your 21st birthday. So cut to, we were gambling and, um, and he lost the money. So he was like, man, you're not gonna get an opportunity to make my money back. I said, dude, I ain't got nothing for you. I, mean, I was like, listen. I said, hey, man, take, take, take $100. So he get the $100 and then he's like, all right, I'm back in. I'm like, no, you're not back in. Because the rule of thumb is if you lend somebody some money that you were gambling with, don't gamble them. So he kept badgering me, kept badgering me, kept badgering me. Finally, I was like, all right, all right, man, I'm going to get you out of here. Boom. So the point, I say the point was uh, eight. All right, it came. Boom. The point was eight. I hit it right out the door. Boom. Hit it. So he tried to step on the money and didn't want to pay me. So I was like, Dave. I was like, Dave. His name was Dave Dawson. I said, Dave, I'm telling you right now, take your foot off my money. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? I said, Dave, I'm gonna tell you one more time. And I literally picked him up, took him in the air, and body slammed him. Boom! What? Right? I body slammed, I body slammed him, right? Body slammed him. God rest his soul, he passed on. But I body slammed him probably like three or four times. Everybody was so scared. They was like, Charlie, what the hell is what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Why would you do? I said, I don't care nothing about that. Da, da, da. He's limping off. So he just wanted to get away from me because he was like, this nigga gonna kill me. You He's gonna get away. Next thing you know, um, let's cut to about a week later. I'm walking down the street. I'm walking out. I just came for the pizza, pizza parlor. And I hear, I hear like a bicycle. Right. And then somebody, I hear somebody say, I got you now, big fella. 
And I knew the voice, and I had my back turned. Next thing you know, I take off running. Pow! I take off running, right? And I get to the corner. It's a car at the corner. Now, mind you, this is summertime. All four windows are down. On my life, Carol, I jumped through the window. I said, go, he got a gun, he got a gun, go, 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 he got a gun. Woo! Listen, can you imagine a six, seven dude, 200-something pound jumping in your window? I said, go, he got a gun, he got a gun. I jumped through the window. Next thing you know, okay, so they pull off. Thank God they just pulled off. He pulls off. He robbed me at probably, he robbed me probably about 10 blocks. I get that. I said, I'm sorry. I apologize. I think I went in my pocket. I gave him a couple of dollars yesterday. I'm saying, I said, I'm sorry. I says, this, I got some issue with this dude yesterday. So I said, I'm going to take care of my, I'm going to handle it. So next thing you know, he, did, he didn't hang around the hood too much. But in this space and time, he was hanging out. And everybody was telling me, Dave was here. Dave was there. Dave was here. Dave was there. I was like, man, I said, I can't take this. I said, I can't take this. So I called my man. I said, yo, I need a gun. He's like, what you need a gun for? I said, man, Dave, he gave me the gun. I take it over to the ice cream parlor yesterday. I put it up in the drop, in the drop ceiling. So maybe three or four days passed. And my man, Wink, hit me up. He said, yo, he said, you ain't gonna believe what across the street at the pizza bar. I said, I'm coming right down. I ran downstairs. I ran up in the drop ceiling, got the gun out. I put it in my pants. So I go like this. I go to pull it out. Boom! And it hit me. Because I was so nervous that I had my hand on the trigger and it just oh. went. It was, and it was, you know, it was automatic. It just hit me. Boom! It was like a ray, like a, a ring. It was like, it was like everything. I was like real fat. And it, was, boom. And it was like slow motion. And then all of a sudden I got real hot. That's what that's the terminology. I don't know if you heard it. You keep messing with my issue with some hot itch. And it really is it's hot. So I'm in there against them saying, I'm like, wink, I think I shot myself. He's like, what? 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 he came up, he started crying. And he was freaking out. He was freaking out. He said, yo, don't dial me, don't dial me. So he went to the phone. He called 911. He said, come here. He said, it was a shooting. It was a shooting. And how people die, Carol, how people die is the ride to the hospital. That's how you die. They hit every bump that there is. Ooh. I'm talking about, and they're going fast as I don't know what. They're flying. I'm like, yo, and so I'm holding, I'm holding on, the, on, the, on, the, on a bench. I'm pushing my feet up against the bench, trying to stabilize my body because they're like throwing me all over the place. So we get to the hospital. Of course, they was able to you know, get me together. I lost 75 pounds in 12 hours. So yeah. I was, I, listen, I was vomiting blood and I was, and I was, I was blood was coming through my rectum because I, I shot myself in my abdomen. So I was literally like spitting out blood and, 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 and through my rectum. This happened like 11 o'clock at night. So by the time 6 a.m. came around, I had I had lost seventy five pounds, mm-hmm. right? From that from that I had a, um they were they had clamps on my stomach they wouldn't they wouldn't actually stitch me up so I had clamp I had like clamps I had like four or five clamps across my stomach so oh. essentially my stomach was still open but they had these clamps that kind of like was locking it down they they put they had a had a colostomy as well so I oh, guess they kept yeah. it open so they could monitor it so I had a colostomy right. on one side and then in the, in the middle of my stomach my stomach was probably the the, the, the incision the incision was probably like that big. Literally that what? big, but it's probably about that wide, probably that long. That's you know like what, I mean? what four or five inches? Easily, easily, oh, wow. easily. So, so I um, so I'm laying in the hospital bed, and they were giving me Demerol shots. The Demerol shots won't only last for three hours, but they can only give me the shot every four hours. So it's one particular night, I'm in so much pain. It was like it was like somebody was taking my stomach and pulling it on each side with a rake. It was I was so much pain. So I was begging the nurse. I was like, I said, nurse, I said, nurse, I need, I need some medicine. I need some medicine. I was crying. I said, I need some medicine. I said, fuck, my stomach. About to they said, Mr. Austin, you got to wait. You got to wait another hour. You can't give it to you. I was like, no, ma'am, I need it. I need it. Next thing you know, she says, um, she says, Mr. Austin, we can't do it. I'm like, I'm at my wit's end. There's a cross at the end of my bed. I went there and I'm, I'm praying. I said, God, please, God, please, God, please, God, please, please, God, please. I said, if you take me and take this pain off me, I will straighten my life up. I will turn my life around. Please, God, please, work free. Leave me up. I'm telling you, as I'm sitting on this with you, it was like this ray came over my body. Like, it was just like this. that came over top of me. And I'm talking about the pain went completely away. Completely away. 
on my life. I would not lie to you, on my life, right? So at that moment, I had made a pact with God, right? Made a pact with God. Now I'm going to get to answering what you, what you asked me why I do it. So at that moment, I had made a pact with God. I made a pact that I would straighten my life up and make, the, make anyone's lives that's a part of my life or that I come in contact with better. Mm-hmm. So if God granted me and he welcomed to enter into this contract with me, I might lie to you. I might lie to my mother. I might lie to my kid. I'm not lying to God. So although I didn't get it together right at that moment, like say over the next few months, over the next two years, I slowly but surely, gradually started changing my life. So it ain't even about man more so than it's about the responsibility that I asked for, mm-hmm. that I received, and the order that God gave me on my life. That's why I do what I do. Because again, it's what I have to do. So man and woman, can't, they can't reward me and they can't hurt me. Right. Charlie, I never, ever, as, as much as you and I have talked, Mm-hmm. I never knew that. Yeah. That, well, that's a, that's a well, story that needs to be shared. Well, it's here. It's here. You know, I love a good read. Who is Charlie Mack? I cannot wait. Yes, it's done. Because, you know, I don't know that side of you. Right. How did that's you transition to the entertainment industry? So 1978, my uncle, he's like an uncle to me. He raised me. His name was Matt Covington. He was in a group called Philly Devotions. Okay. And Philly Devotions, and they disbanded. And then he started his own so he started his own label called April Records. You may not know that I've been in this business since 1978. Essentially, I was an a as well as the street team, as we know what we call street team today. Right. So I was, take, I was taking the records to record stores, taking them to um, clubs, taking them to the radio station. I did it all. Whatever needed to be done. I was working alongside uh, the great Alan Lott, the Lott brothers. Yes. You know what I mean? So I was working alongside them because he had to hire them to promote the record. And I was going around, when they were going to clubs, I stand outside and even got our flyers. So again, what we know to be street team right now. That was my entry into the entertainment business. And, I, and, and from that day, I realized this is my calling. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So from that moment, how did you get to Jeff and Will? How did you all meet? My first group that I worked with, officially, I had a signing of a friend of ours that worked with us. His name was George. And remember the Cabbage Patch Dolls was really big? <laughs> yes. Okay, so we made a record called the Cabbage Patch Scratch. Okay. Well, I remember. Wait, I think I remember yeah, we had, that. Yeah, it was the director. The lyrics went. The lyrics went. It said, "New York, New York is what you wanted to see. Bright lights and cars, girl. I made you a star. Now you're so mean that you don't need me. You're going back, baby, <laughs> to the that. cabbage patch, baby. I don't need that." Baby, yeah. rest in peace to George too. Rest in peace to George. Gorgeous George. My, that, was my, that was my first record I worked. It was my first artist I worked with. That was 19, I'm going to say 80, 80, 81. That was my first. I worked with Matt first. So yeah, Neck into the World. He had Keep on Trucking, Baby, I'm For Real. So we worked those records for about a year, year and a half. Then we did George. And then from George, I started working with, you know, uh, Dow Jones. So he was in a group called G5. Okay, G5 had the record... They did the record, the Sixers record, 454. Right. It was a theme record for the Sixers. And so that was my first group that I had worked with outside. That was, quote, unquote, my first um, security job, if you will. Okay. So okay. I started work, I started doing that. And so I got, got with them, and it really was like, okay, I can do this. I could probably do this as, as a career, too. So, and so then I went from, from NR slash street team to slash bodyguard. So G5 was the first group I worked with. Then I worked with, I went from there to work with, I met Bobby Kahn through Matt at WHAT. And then I started working with him, promoting, doing, again, street team work, giving out flyers, mm-hmm. um, helping him market and promote and, and, and produce 
the, the concert. So the first concert I had did under the, under him was Roxanne Shante, George Clinton, and Dougie Fresh at the at the Man Music Center. Ooh, right? Oh my lord! Then from there, I was still, I used to go to Al's place on Fifty Second and Parkside, and yeah. I started working with MC Breeze. I know I met MC Breeze, and from me meeting him, I pretty much kind of gave myself a job. He never hired me. I just kind of gave myself a job. <laughs> I just started picking up his records, picking up his equipment, started carrying him to the car. And before you know it, yesterday I'm saying we was crew. And, and Breeze was actually the first one that actually named me Charlie Mack first out the limo. So he had a record called, called uh, 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 Yo Lady Who. And the record go, first out the limo was Charlie Mack. My man Chili Will chilling in the back. So he did it. From there, I started dating Mimi. And then from there, I, had, I got Mimi to go to Butterball. God rest his soul. <clears throat> I said, Mimi, we should start, because B had Street Beat over at Pound 89. Mm -hmm. I was like, mm -hmm. I was like, we gotta, we gotta start a rap show, right? So I was like, I was like, um, I said, why don't you talk to Butter and see if he'll do it? Let you do it. I knew Mimi, he was his little baby. So I said, Mimi, you should talk to him, because of course, at that point, DS was an urban contemporary station. Right. I was like, Mimi, we could do it on the weekends. We could do it. You know, we, I said, we gotta be like the, you know, the answer to Lady B. You know what I'm saying? I love her, but we gotta be the answer to Lady B. So I was like, she can't be the only game in town. So she went and talked to Butter. Butter said, yeah, we could do it. And we launched the show, and from there, um, I had started, and Will, Will actually, um, from Matt's Ice Cream, Will's father was an ice man. He was a, he was an ice refrigerating man. So he would, come, he would come, Will would deliver ice to the, to the ice cream parlor. So I forged friendships with him through that. You know what I mean? Being on the, on, the, on the scene of music, I started befriending all the different, from Robbie B, to Grandmaster Nell, to, uh, to Cosmic Kev, to Gary O, to uh, Grandmasters of Funk, MC Babe, to Disco Rap to Bobby Dance. I just started forging relationships oh with all these people, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, so from me done with Mimi, I said, well, now we're bringing these, these acts up in here. Why, I mean, now we're, bringing, we're playing these acts music. We should find out if they could do some promote, promo shows for us. And she was like, yeah, I'll ask Butter. So, so one of the first acts that we had got, I think was, I want to say it was um, Roxanne Chante. Probably Roxanne Chante. Wow. So got her to do a promo gig for me. And I, she brought Biz with us one year. And then a few days later, that's what I'm saying. Biz, I hired Biz again to do a show for me. And then Biz brought this rapper from Brooklyn with him, you know what I'm saying? He asked me when he, when he finished up the show, he said, well, could you, um, could you mind if I bring my, he asked the audience, I got my homie with me, do you mind if he come mm -hmm. up and do something? Do something. So the, the, the homie came over the stage and he freestyled and everything. He did this freestyle, da 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 Vex, something, something, Kotex. I threw a Kotex out in the audience, right? <laughs> then, he, then he went from there. He stopped that, stopped that. And then he did he went and he dropped his record. This was literally like six months before it came out. And the record was R-A-W, a terrorist. Here to bring trouble to phony MC. So I bought that, I bought that building. That building that building's on 57th of Woodland. I used to do parties there. It was called the Charlie Mack First Annual Husky Convention. It was May 7th, 1987. And from there, Jeff, Jeff came to the party that night. Me and Jeff went to Bartram High School together. Jeff came to the party that night and he pretty much came to me and asked me, you know what I mean? He said, I got a group, man. You know, would you mind working with us? And I had two cases at the time. I didn't go to jail, but I had two open cases. So I was like, I was like, and I said to him, I was like, work with you how? He's like, you do security. And then I ran through my mind. I was like, where do you get that from? But I thought about it. Any act that I would bring in Philly, like Dougie Fresh and, and, and Biz and, and Sean Tatum, I would double as security, if you will. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have to hire security because I was always the big man on campus. You know, so I would just kind of double. So Jeff and Will would see me with them thinking I was their security, but I was a promoter. Wow. So when he asked me, when he asked me what I do security for him, it was at the time when I really, really needed it because I had got locked up two times and I didn't want a third 
arrest. Right. Because if I got a third arrest, that would have been a federal case, and I didn't want that. So, so I said, let me see. I'm supposed to go to court. This was May. I, didn't, I had to go to court in July. I said, let me see what happens with my case yesterday and say, I'll let you know. So I talked to my lawyer, and I talked to my lawyer. He said, I think you'll be fine. You can go ahead and get your passport and everything. I think you'll be fine. So Jan- July 1st and July, July 1st, I beat, I beat one case July 1st. The second case, I beat July like 28th or something like that. Okay. So I beat both cases. I called Jeff up and said, yo, I'm ready. So he, he had JL come to get me, take me down to the state building, get my passport. Um, and that was our beginning. And we went to the first trip I took with them was to London. And we did He's the DJ, I'm the Rapper. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So I was in London for my first time being on a plane. I went to London for, for 30 days. Me, Jeff, Will, JL. I, you know what? I talked to Jeff. I was asking him about his experience with COVID-19 and, and, and everything that he went through. And he said he was so delirious at one point that he texted you. He did. And he didn't remember doing so. Yeah, he did. But I'm happy to say, you know, he's doing well now. The one thing we haven't talked about is who's on your radar. I have, I have, I have a group of kids. They, they're like the modern day crisscross. Then I got a country rapper named B. Maisie. Oh, wow. Nice. So anything else going on? Please like and subscribe my YouTube channel which is first out D-A limo 215. So F-I-R-S-T-O-U-T-D-A-L-I-M-O 215. That's my YouTube channel. Charlie, congrats on everything. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. You know, thank you so much for stopping by. Love you, Carol. I love you more, Charlie. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, then tell a friend and tell them where to find us. Also, be sure to check out our archive of prior interviews on our Conversations Inside the Music YouTube channel. And let's stay connected. We're on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so you too can join the conversation. See you next time on another episode of Conversations Inside the Music. Conversations Inside the Music with Carol Riddick.